0: I'm sorry
1: As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barakala nabiina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'ina ma ba' I think it was better the other way slightly lower so it doesn't go into the camera shot so much okay so inshallah we're still uh, we're, we're still on the tafsir of Surah Al-Qari'ah and last week we I think we only covered one verse last week verse number 4 uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thus far in our tafsir of the surah Allah Azzawajal has repeated the concept of Al-Qari'ah which as we said is one of the names of Yawm Al-Qiyamah Al-Qari'ah which is translated as a crashing blow and <coughs> refers to the sound <coughs> that will be made at the time of the striking of the day of judgment. We mentioned the two opinions amongst the scholars of Tafsir that Al qaria either is referring to the day of judgment itself, or the second opinion was what? That it's referring to? What was the second opinion? Al qaria is either the day of judgment, or it's referring to? No, the blowing of the trumpet. The blowing of the trumpet which occurs. Just before. And as we said, the difference between the two is small. Then Allah Azza wa Jal, in the verse that we covered last week, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, On the day that people will emerge as, uh, what was the translation? Hmm? Scattered locusts. Is that correct? Oh no, moths on a day when people will be like scattered moths, right? And we mentioned the opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir concerning uh, the other verse of the Qur'an in Surah Al-Qamar which Allah Azza wa Jal calls them كَأَنَّهُمْ مُنْتَشِرْ As if they are scattered locusts. And we said that Imam Al-Qurtubi, Rahimallah amongst others, from amongst the scholars of tafsir, they combine between the locusts and the moths in a number of ways. And one of them is that they emerge in terms of their number like a swarm of moths or locusts Uh, you know, and and I was reading on the news yesterday today, a couple of days ago, I don't remember, but there's like a massive swarm of locusts in East Africa, even in parts of Afghanistan, Pakistan and so on, and if you look at the photos and the pictures of them that's what the scholars are referring to, the scholars say that this is how people will emerge from their graves on the Day of Judgment in terms of number, in terms of of, of, of quantity in terms of weakness because a moth is weak inherently. And when they first emerge, they will be scattered, meaning that they will be in any which and every direction, falling in, on, into one another, jumping over one another, bumping into one another. And then, مُهْطِعِينَ ila da'a A caller will call out. And when they are called, they will become like locusts that travel towards a single goal. So, moths are scattered everywhere, and locusts normally go towards food. A plague of locusts is normally focused in its direction of travel. And that is how the scholars combined between the two. And we said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after mentioning Al Qari'ah, as we know is one of the, na- the names of the days, the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us two snippets or two snapshots of what will take place on that day. The first is in relation to humankind themselves. People, how they, how they will emerge on Al qiyamah. And the second, which is the verse that we'll begin with today, verse number five, is the way that the world will change. And the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how it will change and transform on that day. So Allah azza wa jalla in verse number five, He says, kalihnil manfush," And the mountains will be like tufts of wool, or carded wool, in another translation. Or like wool fluffed up, in another third translation. So the Allah Azza wa Jal is describing the mountains on Yawmul Qiyamah that they will be like wool. They will be like wool or tufts of wool. Tufts of wool means what? Not like a ball of wool, but pieces of wool, right? Pieces of wool. A ball of wool is obviously together and one and it can still be pretty strong when it is combined. But tufts of wool meaning that it is scattered all over the place. And this is in the backdrop, obviously, when you look at this verse, you find other verses in the Quran. Some of them speak about mountains and how the mountains will change on that day. But then we have other verses of the Quran that speak generally about how creation will be on that day, how Allah will change the creation and the heavens and the earth to a form that we're not familiar with, to a form that will be on that day. So for example, in Surah Al-Takweer, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes this and he says, إِذَا الشَّمْسُ كُوِّرَتْ When the sun is shrouded in darkness. وَإِذَا النجوم كَدَرَتْ And when the stars are dimmed. وَإِذَا الْجِبَالُ سُيِّرَتْ And when the, mo- when the mountains are set in motion. Meaning that they're no longer stable, right? Because one of the things that we know about mountains is that they are firm and stable. وَإِذَا الْعِشَارُ When pregnant camels are abandoned. وَإِذَا when wild beasts are herded together. وَإِذَا الْبِحَارُ sujirat, <سُجِّرَت> And when the seas boil over. And then we have a, another similar but also slightly different description in Surah Al-Infitar. In the opening verses, Allah Azza wa Jal says, إِذَا السَّمَاءُ Fatarat, When the sky is torn apart. وَإِذَا الْكَوَاكِبُ Tatharat, <تَثرت> And when the stars are scattered. وَإِذَا الْبِحَارُ fujirat, <فُجِّرَت> And when the seas burst forth. وَإِذَا الْقُبُورُ بُعْثِرَتْ And when the graves are turned inside out. And then yet again in Surah Al-Inshikak, Allah Azzawajal gives us a further description. إِذَا السَّمَاءُ شَقَّتْ When the sky is ripped apart. وَأَذِينَتْ لِرَبِّهَا وَحُقَّتْ Obeying its Lord as it rightly must. وَإِذَا الْأَرْضُ مدت, And when the earth is leveled out. وَأَلْقَتْ مَا فِيهَا وَتَخَلَّتْ And it casts out its contents and it becomes empty. وَأَذِينَتْ لِرَبِّهَا وَحُقَّتْ Obeying its Lord as it rightly must. And a fourth description found in Surah Al-Waq'i'ah. Allah Azza wa Jal says, إذا, و... إِذَا وَقَعَتِ الْوَاقِعَ When that which is coming arrives, لَيْسَ لِوَقَعَتِهَا كَاذِبًا No one will be able to deny its coming. خَافِضَةُ الرَّافِعَ It will bring low and it will raise high. إِذَا رُجَّةِ الْأَرْضُ رَجَّةِ when the earth is shaken violently and the mountains are grounded to powder and turned to scattered dust. Right, in the hadith in At-Tirmidhi and the Muslim, of Imam Ahmad on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar عنهما, that the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi whoever wishes to see the day of judgment as if it is before their eyes then let them read إِذَا الشَّمْسُ إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ فَطَرَتْ إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ شَقَّتْ The opening passages of those three surahs. It is as if you see يوم القيامة before your eyes. And that is because Allah describes in vivid detail how much the world will change and how things will change on the day of judgment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he says القارعة which is a word and a term and a phrase that strikes fear and terror into the hearts and it also Uh, makes us question and want to know more and understand more concerning this day. Allah mentions two main things that will take place on that day. The first is how mankind will emerge in their vast quantity and number and the state in which they will emerge. And number two is how the world will change. Now in other parts of the Qur'an as we've seen, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala goes into more detail. In Surah Al-Qari'ah, Allah Azzawajal takes only one aspect and He goes... And focuses on that one aspect, and that aspect is, as we've said, the mountains. They will be like tufts of wool. Other verses that also speak about this, Shaykh Muhammad Al Amin al Ta'ala in his book of Tafsir, he gathers other verses that also speak about the change or the, 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 what will happen to mountains, the change that will occur to the mountains on Yomul Al Qiyamah. So he mentions, for example, the verse that we mentioned in Surah Al-Waqi'ah, And the mountains will be ground to powder. "Fakanat and مُمْبَثَّىٰ They will be like scattered dust. Right? So the mountains, if we think about them, are known for what? If you were to describe a mountain, you would describe it as being strong. Right? And firm. And imposing. And high and big and tall and all of those terms that you associate with mountains and the strength of mountains and the firmness of mountains right and we often use it even in everyday speech he's as strong and as firm as a mountain because a mountain doesn't move and Allah عز وجل, when he describes the earth he describes as the mountains as pegs or fiha they stabilize the earth they're like pegs that Allah عز has placed upon the earth. Yomul Qiyamah brings a change to all of that. And that same creation of Allah that we associate with its strength and firmness and power, it will turn into scattered dust. And dust is one of the most you know, like feeble and weakest of elements. That is how it will become on Al qiyamah. In the other verse in Surah Al-Muzammir, Allah says, yawma wal وَكَانَتِ الْجِبَالُ كَثِيبًا مَهِيلًا On the day when the earth and the mountains will shake, the mountains will become a heap of loose sand. They will become like a heap of loose sand. And Allah says uh, in, in Surah Naba, وَسُيِّرَتِ الْجِبَالُ فَكَانَتْ saraba, And the mountains are removed and will be like a mirage. Meaning that you will see them there one moment, and the next moment they are scattered into dust, meaning that they no longer exist. Right, it's like a mirage. And Allah Azzawajal says, in Surah An-Naml, الْجِبَالَ تَحْسَبُهَا وَهِيَ تَمُرُّ Sahab. You will see the mountains and think that they are firmly fixed, but they will float away like clouds. They will float away like clouds. And so this is the description that Allah Azzawajal gives. All of them revolve around what? That the mountains will no longer be there. The mountains will disappear. So, one of the questions is, why does Allah Azza wa on Yom Al Qiyamah take away the mountains? Why are mountains no longer there? So, to life, yeah. So, one of the one of the reasons is because people often seek refuge in high places. They seek refuge in high places. If there's a flood, if there's some kind of natural disaster. People are told to go to high ground. And we see an example of this in the Quran. In whose story? Huh? <inaudible> Nuhalihallah. <inaudible> the story of the son of Nuh, when the flood waters are coming, and he says to his father, Sa'awi min al I will go and seek refuge on the mountain. It will save me from the water. He says, <inaudible> No one will be saved on this day, except those that Allah has mercy upon. فَحَالَ بَيْنَهُمَ الْمَوْجِ وَحَالَ بَيْنَهُمَ الْمَوْجِ فَكَانَ مِن A wave came between them, and he was from the drowned. So people associate high places with salvation, with safety, with refuge. And so Allah Azza will remove that from people. And usually the people who take high refuge and go to those places are the stronger, the more able, Right, perhaps the wealthier, they are the ones who are given those types of places. And so another reason Allah Azzawajal knows best why the mountains are also removed is so that there is no hierarchy on yawm al-qiyamah. There is no difference in status that someone who considers themselves to be nobler, wealthier, pow- more powerful, stronger, they say, no, we're going to stand higher up. Because when you stand higher up, right, when you raise someone on a platform, on a dais, they are raised up they naturally are inclined to think that they are better than those beneath them, those who are lower, right? And so that's a natural type of inclination. So Allah removes mountains, that there is no place of refuge on that day, no one can escape from the terrors of Al qiyamah, and at the same time, there is no difference in station, in level, in hierarchy, in some people thinking that they are better than others. So Allah in this verse he says And the mountains are like tufts of wool. Ibn Atiyah Rahimahullah Ta'ala, the scholar of Tafsir, he said that the linguists, the scholars of Arabic language, they differed concerning the meaning of the word Some of them said it refers to wool generally, any type of wool. Others said it refers to a red wool red in color and yet others said it refers to colored wool irrespective of the color so those are three opinions just from a linguistic standpoint right just from a linguistic viewpoint it is either wool it is red wool or it is multicolored wool it is wool but it is wool Il'in is wool and this is the opinion of the scholars of tafsir as qatada rahimahullah, and others said rahimahullah ta'ala in his commentary in his sahih he said al-ihan is colorful wool wool of different colors and the same was said by al-imam ibn jalir al-tabari rahimahullah ta'ala he said wa takoonu al-jibalu kal al-manfush Allah azza wa mentions that on that day the mountains will become like wool that is scattered and he said al-ihan is different types of wool And this is the position that we found amongst the scholars of tafsir. He said, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. Ibn Ashur said, the reason why they said that it is different colored types of wool is what? Why did they say that it is different color? Why did Imam Bukhari, At-Tabari, others go to that position of it being different colored types of wool? Similar, but obviously not humans, right? We're not talking about humans. Humans were taken from different, sorry? Because mountains are of different colors, right? Mountains, the rocks and the stones of mountains are of different colors. And so that's why they took that position. Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah, mentions this in his tafsir. He says, because mountains are of different colors in their stones, their rocks, and in what grows upon them in terms of plantation vegetation. And he mentions the verse of the Quran which Allah Azzawajal says as a proof of this wa Allah says that there are in the mountains layers of white and red of various hues, meaning of various shades. So you see pictures of mountains, some of them are black, some of them more brown, some of them more red, some of them more white. And so you have different colors within the mountains. And so that is why the scholars of tifseer, rahmatullah, seem to go towards that position. They agreed that it is wool and then they added the different colors to it as well because that seems to be the position. Muqatil, rahimahullah, the scholar of tafsir, he has a, an interesting um, commentary on this verse. And he says that the mountains on that day, after their strength and their firmness will become like scattered wool. He said that the people will see the mountains with their roots, their foundation strung in the ground, with their peaks high up in the sky, and they will say it is a mountain. But when someone comes to touch it or place their hand on it, it will scatter into dust or it will scatter like wool. right? Because it will remain in that shape and then it will move. He says why? He says from the severity of the qari'ah, that crashing blow, is what will make the mountain crumble into dust. It will make it crumble from within into dust, so that even though the form is there, if you were to touch it, it's actually nothing. It's actually nothing, it will crumble into dust. And so he says that that is how the mountain reacts to the Qari'ah. So then what is the situation of humans? How will people be on that day? And that's why the people that Yawmul Qiyamah is established upon, are the worst of creation, as is mentioned in the hadith. They will be the worst of people. Allah Azzawajal will take away the lives of the believers before that. No believer will remain upon earth. The people upon whom Yawm Al-Qiyamah is established, the hour is established, are considered to be the worst of Allah's creation. He says, but imagine, if that's the way that the mountain changes by the Qari'ah, then imagine how a person who is far, far weaker, how they would react to that. Ibn Kathir ta'ala, says that when it turns into scattered wool or it turns into wool, it will begin to dissipate, it will begin to scatter, it will begin to float away and it will become, begin to come apart. And Imam Al-Razi, he said that Allah Azza makes in this surah a comparison between people and mountains. So when Allah Azza chose in this surah to choose an example of humans and an example from his creation. He didn't choose the sun or the moon or the stars or the oceans. He chose mountains. He says, so Allah Azza wa is making a comparison between the two. Because Allah Azza wa wants us to understand the impact that the Qari'ah has on the mountains. And therefore we should think as to the impact that it will have on that day upon humans. And how no one on that day therefore can be saved Except through Allah Jal's mercy. So this is what the scholar said concerning the verse verse number five. The mountains on that day will be like tufts of wool. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then carries on in verse number six, and he says, the one whose good deeds are heavy on the scales, the one whose good deeds are heavy on the scales. And often you find in the Qur'an that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions verses concerning the day of judgment and its terrors and how things will change, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afterwards will always give either a call to action or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will speak about the concept of reward and punishment. Because clearly yawm al-qiyamah is the place of reward and punishment and so therefore the reminder that we should work towards it, that we we should think about how we will stand on that day, I was standing before Allah, our accounting counting before him, which position we're in, always comes or often comes within that context. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will speak about Al qiyamah, there will either be some call to action, some reminder of punishment or reward, or something similar in that regard. Like in this surah, where Allah azza wa after mentioning al-qari'ah, mentioning how people will be mentioning the mountains on that day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just finish the surah, because there is a call to action, there is something that we should ponder and reflect over. So, the one whose good deeds are heavy on that scale, on the scales. Amongst the scholars of tafsir, there are uh, two opinions. Number one is that the scales are literal, that's what's being referred to here. So, when Allah says, uh, the one whose good deeds are heavy on the scales, right, and even um, you see the so the translations we have Abdul Halim, the one whose good deeds are heavy on the scales Sahih International then as for one whose scales are heavy Mufti uh, Taqi Uthmani then as for him whose scales are heavy they're not all the same there is a difference what's the difference?
0: one's literal
1: and some no no don't just waffle her. Your
0: scales being heavy with good deeds and your good deeds being heavy with
1: scale at the scales. No, so there's a difference between then as for one whose scales are heavy, forget the, the parenthesis. Forget the parenthesis. The then as for one whose scales are heavy, then the one whose good deeds are heavy on the scales. Right? We're going to come on to this issue. It's an aqeedah point. But that question is, what is weighed on yawmul Right? What is Allah referring to. What is weighed on the Day of Judgment? Is it the deed? Or is it the person? Or is it, for example, the record that's that's been written? What is it that's that's actually weighed on yawm al-qiyam? But anyway, that was was a a slightly different point that I was referring to. Amongst the scholars that have seen the difference of opinion is whether it is actual scales, real scales, or whether it's referring to just the actions that are weighed, not necessarily on a scale. They are weighed by Allah Azzawajal, but not on a scale. Right? And so in Mujahid, Rahim Allah Ta'ala said, Laysa mizan. It's not an actual scale. Rather, it is an example that is given in the Quran. Right? That was the position of some of the early scholars of Tafsir, The position of Ahlul Sunnah generally, of Jama'a Ahlul Sunnah, and the position that they, have, uh, that they have is that it is an actual scale that Allah Azza will bring on that day. There are many uh, proofs for this that we will mention from the Quran and from the Sunnah. Al Imam Tabari said, as for the one whose good deeds are heavy on the scales, and he said what is meant by the mawazen is what is measured. What is measured, what is weighed, that is what is being referred to. Ibn Atiyah Rahimahullah said, It is the mawazen, the scales that Allah jalla will set on the day of judgment. And the majority of the scholars of hadith and fiqh and generally said that the Mizan, the scales of Yawmul Qiyama, will have a, a pillar and will have two plates, right, two sides to it. So it will have as we normally see a scale, it will have the the fulcrum, right? the the the, the weight part and then the two the two in Arabic it's called kiffah, right, which means kifa is like hands or plates or you know the two sides of the scales. So that Allah Jal may, uh, and obviously Ibn Atiyah is, is a scholar who comes much later than Ibn, uh, Ibn Jalir al-Tabari and Mujahid and others. In al Bayan, uh, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin says, the word mizan can refer to two things. It can refer to the actual implement, the instrument that you use to weigh something, or it can refer to what is being weighed. So it can refer to the actual instrument that is used as a measuring scale. It is a name for that, the scales, or it is also used in Arabic language to mean what is actually being weighed. The thing that is actually being weighed, which is obviously the actions and the deeds that are being weighed. And this brings us on to this issue of the Mizan, the scales on the Day of Judgment. And the position of Ahlul sunnah is that it is a real scale. That these are real scales that Allah Azza will use to weigh the deeds of people. Not because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't know or that Allah is unable to know or doesn't know or can't determine what is heavy or light in the scales but as a means of establishing proof upon people that they see before their very eyes the weight of their deeds whether good or bad and that's why Ibn Hajar narrates from some of the scholars they said that it is the ijma' of Ahlul Sunnah by consensus that from Iman is to believe in the scales on the Day of Judgment al Hassan al-Basri was asked about the mizan, the scales, he said that it will have two sides, meaning two plates, and it has a tongue by which it will speak. It has a tongue by which it speaks, and it has two sides. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, and this shows, and the general proofs of the Quran and Sunnah show, that the mizan, the scales are different to Allah's justice. Allah is just, but Allah's justice is not the same as His scales. The scales are something that will be set, and that people will see on that day, and they will be used to measure people and their and their deeds, as Allah mentions in this verse: And as Allah says in Surah Al-Anbiya: الْمَوَازِينَ الْقِسْطَ لِيَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ". And he will place the scales of justice on the day of judgment. And due to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in Al-Bukhari and muslim the hadith of Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu, kalimatani, khafifatani Al lisan, two statements are light upon the tongue, thaqilatani fil nizan. heavy upon the scale, habibatani ilal rahman, beloved to Allah, to say Subhanallah, subhanallahi wa bihamdih, subhanallahil azim. And due to the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu uh, when the Prophet said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam concerning his leg, that indeed it is heavier than the mountain of Uhud. Right? It is heavy in the scales than the mountain of Uhud. And due to the hadith of Bataka, the card of La Ilaha illallah, which we will mention in more detail. So the proofs of the Mizan in the Quran, or the verses that speak about the Mizan in the Quran, are number one, the verse in Surah Al-Araf, verses eight and nine, but Allah Azzawajal says وَالْوَزْنُ يَوْمَ إِذِنِ الْحَقُّ and the weighing on that day will be true فَمَنْتَقَلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُمْ فَأُولَائِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ so whoever scales are heavy then they will be from the successful وَمَنْخَفَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ and whoever scales are light فَأُولَائِكَ الَّذِينَ خَسِرُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ then they are those who have lost themselves بِمَا كَانُوا ayatina يَظْلِمُونَ due to the oppression or due to the rejection of our signs and our verses. And similarly in Surah Al-Anbiya, verse number 47, Allah Azza wa says, And we will place the scales of justice on the Day of Judgment. So no soul will be oppressed in any way. كَانَ مِثْقَالَ مِّن خَردلٍ بها And even if it is the weight of a mustard seed, we will bring it and it will be Held to account. Similarly, in Surah Al-Mu'minun, verses one hundred and two, one hundred and three, Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "For muflihun, scales are heavy, then they will be from the successful. And whosoever scales are light, then there are those who have lost themselves. They will be forever in the hellfire." Similarly, we have the verses here in Surah Al-Qari'ah, which we don't need to go through. But in Surah Al-Kahf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, verse 105, rabbihim They are those who disbelieved in the signs of their Lord and in His meeting. أَعْمَالُهُمْ So their actions were rendered null and void. فَلَا نُقِيمُ لَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَزْنَا So we will attach to them, no weight on the Day of Judgment and in the Sunnah we have the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the hadith that we mentioned in Al-Bukhari and Muslim of the two statements, SubhanAllahi wa be hamdi subhanAllahi al We also have the hadith that is uh, of Abu Malik al-Ash'ari, that the Prophet said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, At-tahuru shatru al-Iman, purification is half of Iman. Walhamdulillahi al mizan, and to say Alhamdulillah fills the scales. وَالْسَبْحَانَ اللَّهِ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ تَمْلَأُ مَا بَيْنَ وَالْأَرْضِ And to say subhanallah and alhamdulillah they fill what is between the heavens and the earth and the prayer is light and a sadaqah charity is a clear proof and a sabr patience is illumination and the Qur'an will either be a proof for you or a proof against you. Similarly in the hadith of a tirmidhi of a man from Bani Sulaym who said that the Prophet sallallahu counted on my hand or upon his hand. And he said at tasbih, to say subhanallah, nisful mizan is half of the scales. Walhamd, and to praise Allah, to say alhamdulillah, fills the scales. Wat takbir, to say the takbir, Allahu Akbar, fills what is between the heavens and the earth. And fasting half of it is patience. And purification half of it is iman or faith. Similarly, the hadith of Abdullah ibn that the Prophet said, وسلم, there are two characteristics and attributes that most Muslims do not consider will enter them. There are two, two attributes that a person does not consider that will enter them into Jannah. They are simple and easy to do, but those who perform them are very few. That you say after every salah, to make the tasbih 10 times and to make the the tahmeed say alhamdulillah 10 times and to say Allahu Akbar 10 times, right? And as we know from the adhkar of the salah when we make the dhikr on the tasbih, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, we have how many different forms is it narrated in the sunnah? No, four different ways that is mentioned. In the sunnah of making, Tasbih, after salah. Right, four different narrations. The first is, So to say
0: 33,
1: Subhanallah, 33, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, 34. The second form is, To say 33, Subhanallah, 33, Alhamdulillah, 33, Allahu Akbar, and then to finish it with, La ilaha illallah, wa la sharika The third way is, what is mentioned in this hadith to say it ten times, Subhanallah ten, Alhamdulillah ten, Allahu Akbar ten, and the fourth way is to say it each one, uh, 25 times, right? And so you find them within the sunnah. So, and obviously, therefore, what is the sunnah? The sunnah is to do all of this, right? To change between them because when you have authentic hadith and there are slight differences between them. It shows that the Prophet ﷺ used to do all of them from time to time. And so therefore from the sunnah is to revive the sunnah and to do this sometimes and to do that sometimes. So for example, if you're pressed for time and you don't have much time, you're at work, you're, I don't know, whatever, traveling, whatever it may be in an airport and you don't have much time, you don't have to do the whole 33, 33, do it 10 times. Right? 10 times, 10 times, 10 times, 10 times and you're done. Right? And so that is also from the fiqh and understanding of how to make adhkar and how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the point being here the prophet sallallahu said for a person to say subhanallah 10 times alhamdulillah 10 times allahu akbar 10 times and then he said i saw the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam count upon my hand and he said to do that is to say it if you do it after every prayer 150 times by the tongue right 30 times times 550 for the day, but a thousand and five hundred in the scales. And then, before you go to sleep, say, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, a hundred times. That is a hundred on the tongue, but a thousand upon the scales. So, who from amongst you can perform two thousand five hundred good deeds, and who from amongst you commits two thousand five hundred sins? Right. So then, the narrator the he asks, I said, O oh, Messenger of Allah. How come people don't do this? How come people don't consider this as a means of entering into Jannah? He said because shaitan comes to a person in the salah and he says to them, remember this and remember that. So when they finish, they leave before making their adhkar. Right? They leave before making the adhkar. And that's something very common today, which you will find very rare amongst previous generations that a person, person will finish their salah and be out that they would make the salam, sometimes even before the imam has turned around. The imam hasn't even like finished and turned around and they're already at the door. You see it on Jumu'ah, you see it like even in normal prayers. It's very common. It's not something that you find in the early generations of Muslims. A person comes and he busies them and so a person, what happens? Shaitan comes, busies a person and they leave without making their adhkar. And he comes to a person at night and he continues to tell them that they're tired and go to sleep until they fall asleep without making their adhkar. This hadith is in a Tirmidhi and a Nisa'i. Two questions, uh, In the night, is it 100 each or 100 in total? Sorry. No, it's 100 in total. So the general like sunnah the Prophet Sunnah after Salah is that he will make his adhkar seated. Right? But obviously if someone has to leave, like you have to get back to work or whatever, you can make adhkar whilst you're, whilst you're walking and whilst you're moving. But generally if you're not in a rush and so on, the sunnah is that you sit down. right? Because the adhkar are not just the tasbih. Right? You have du'as before it. You have reciting Ayatul Kursi, the last three surahs of the Qur'an. So you have different adhkar that you should make. And that's also from you know, the, the part of, of Salah that, that, that helps you to uh, you know to have khushur and soda. Okay so there's the a difference of opinion amongst the scholars as to how to count on the fingers um, uh, because the is not mentioned as far as I know in a, in a hadith exactly how he used to count and so you find different methodologies. Whichever of those that you do though is, is fine. in making a kar yeah. yeah so that's the position amongst the scholars that you make alkar using both hands Yeah. another said no you just use the right hand and and like I said there's no like clear hadith in this so I think e- e- either one or any of those is fine In another hadith also in a Tirmidhi and Imam Ahmad in the Muslim Imam Ahmad the hadith of Abu Darda' do we have any questions online because we uh, the hadith of Abu Darda' radiyallahu anha. The Prophet said sallallahu alayhi there will be nothing heavier on the scales for the believer on the Day of Judgment than good character. Good character. And also in the Surah of Abi Dawood, although this hadith uh, has weakness in it, the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha, that uh, how fire was mentioned to her so she began to cry. So the Prophet said to her, Sallallahu Why do you cry? She said, I remember the fire, so I cried. Will a person remember their family on that day, O Messenger of Allah? The Prophet Sallallahu said, There will be three times, three places, where no one will remember anyone else. No person will remember any other person. When the scales are placed until a person knows whether their scales will be heavy or light. When the record of deeds is given and they're told to take it. Until they know whether their record is given to them in their right hand or their left hand or behind their back, and when the bridge is placed upon the fire of hell. Right? And as I said, the hadith has some weakness in it, as mentioned by Ibn Hajar. So the question that we had when we were looking at the translation is what is it that's actually weighed? Right? So, according to, because Allah doesn't say the deeds are weighed, He says, whoever, their scales are heavy. Their scales are heavy. The good deeds that you find in the translation, whether in parentheses or otherwise, is the addition of a translator. They have added that. And so amongst the scholars of Aqida you find or generally the Muslim scholars, you find three positions, right? Three positions, or maybe even four, concerning what it is that is weighed on the scales on Al Qiyamah. The first of them is that it is the actions themselves. The actions themselves, right? And this is the opinion that was supported by Ibn Hajar, rahimahullah ta'ala. And they based that upon a number of hadith. From them is the hadith that we mentioned of subhanallah, wa hamdi, subhanallah al right? Two statements, beloved to Allah, light upon the tongue, heavy upon the scales, which seems to indicate what? That it is actual deed and action, the statement itself that is weighed. Similarly in the hadith, of uh, the Prophet, the hadith of Abu an in Sahih Muslim, when the Prophet said, Read the Quran for it will come as an intercessor for its people on the day of judgment. Read Surah Baqarah and Ali Imran for they will come on the day of judgment as clouds or as a flock of birds and they will give shade on the day of judgment. How is that a proof for what he's mentioning? It doesn't mention the scales. The Quran, Surah Al Baqarah, Surah Al Imran. Why does he bring that here? What's he trying to show? He's trying to show that deeds on the day of judgment will take a form. They will take form. right? So that's the whole thing, that Allah weighs the deeds. Right? So the deeds themselves, they take form. Right? And similarly, the hadith that we mentioned of Abu Darda عن, nothing will be heavier on the day of judgment than good character. Right? That's the first position. What's being weighed? the actions, the deeds themselves. The second position amongst the scholars is that it is the person that is weighed. The person will be weighed. And they use as a proof for this, the hadith in Al-Bukhari, the hadith of Abu Huraira, عنه, that the Prophet said, وسلم, a person who is obese and fat will come on the Day of Judgment but will not weigh in the sight of Allah the wing of a mosquito. And then he said, and read if you wish the verse of the Quran that we mentioned before. In Surah Al Kahf, we will attach to them no weight. And a person will come on the day of judgment who is thin and whose legs are thin, and they will come and they will weigh more than a mountain. Right? And similar to that is the hadith of, as we mentioned, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, when some of the companions laughed at how thin his legs were, they were bony. Right, literally very very thin and so the Prophet said do you laugh at the leg of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud by Allah, in the sight of Allah it is heavier in the scales than the mountain of Uhud right? and so they say based upon these hadith what is being weighed on the day of judgment is the person themselves so the first opinion was actions, the second opinion is the person, the third opinion is that it is their record of deeds. The record of deeds. And they use as proof for this the hadith in the Tirmidhi of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As. anhuma, anhumah what is famously known as the hadith of the Bataqa. That a person will come on the day of judgment with 99 scrolls of evil deeds. Each scroll when it is open will go as far as the horizon. As far as the eye can see. So Allah Jalla will say to this man on the day of judgment. Do you deny any of this? Have you been oppressed? by the angels that record your deeds. And he will say, no, O Allah. So Allah will say, do you have any excuse? And he will say, no, O Allah. So he will say, oh, so Allah Azza wa will ask him, what good deeds do you have to present? The man will say, I have nothing, O Allah. The Prophet Allah Azza will say to that man on the day of judgment, rather you have one good deed, and today you will not be oppressed, so a card will be brought out. And that's why it's known as the hadith of, Bataqa, which means card, the hadith of the card, right? That's what the scholars refer to this hadith as, because a card will be brought out. Bataqa, I mean this we translated as card, but it's like yani. A parchment will be brought out upon which it will say, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. And so Allah will say, Weigh this card or weigh this parchment in relation to the ninety-nine scrolls. The man will say, Oh Allah, and what good will this card do? In relation to these 99 scrolls. So Allah will say today you will not be oppressed. So the card will be placed on one side of the scale. The scrolls on the other side. Right? That's why this hadith we use as a proof of those scholars who say that it's an actual scale. Because this hadith says that they will be weighed in that manner. And then the hadith says, Fatashat The scrolls will fly into the air. Meaning that the card will be so heavy that they will not fly into the air. And the card will be heavier for verily there is nothing heavier in the scales than the name of Allah. There is nothing heavier in the scales than the name of Allah Azza And this was the position that some of the scholars like Imam Al-Qurtubi Ibn Abdul Bar, and others kind of veered towards this position. That it is the record of deeds and there is a, you know, a very slight difference right, between the record of deeds and the actions and the person being uh, weighed. Right? Obviously all of them essentially amount to the same thing whether it's this or that that's being weighed, the record is the record that's being weighed. The action is action itself, the person is the person. And the strongest opinion is the fourth opinion, and that is that all three are weighed. Because we have a hadith that establishes all of them, actions, people, and records of deeds. And so the strongest opinion amongst, therefore, the scholars of Islam as al al Hakami, Rahimahullah Ta'ala mentioned in his work, is that the strongest position, therefore, is that all of this is weighed. So on yawmul qiyamah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will weigh people and he will weigh their actions and he will weigh their record of deeds. And that's how we combine between the verses of the Quran and all of these ahadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Wasallam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will sometimes weigh a person, sometimes their deeds, and sometimes he will weigh their record of deeds. Right? So any questions? So uh question is that brother had someone say that on Yom al qiyamah in the scales the heavier the scale is it goes up, like in reverse to what we would consider it to be. Yeah, Allahu Alam. I don't I don't know. Uh, but the hadith of the Bataqah seems to indicate otherwise. Right, um, that that it's the lighter side that goes up, as you would normally consider to be a scale, right? If it goes the other way around, then how does that that work? You mean just because it's good deeds, so they're higher up? Yeah, that doesn't sound like a scholarly um, position to me, I don't know, I've never come across that before. does the scale apply to uh, the non muslims as well because they don't
0: believe.
1: yeah they don't believe so uh, no to, uh, as far as i know it doesn't refer to the disbelievers because they have nothing to weigh except evil deeds uh, when,
0: when the process of the and weighing, or for some of the
1: 70000 would they yes yeah, so the hadith of the 70000 refers to them not having any accounting and not having any punishment so whether they have to go through this just as a, as a process but not being held to account, Allah knows, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Okay, I know you mentioned the, the different types of uh, the that would be done. Could one not say that 33, 33, 33 without the addition of another former zakat is a different type to um, 33, 33, 33 and then adding that. Um, what do you mean? You, know, you said because there's a hadith 33, 33, yeah. 30 33, 33, 33, 34. You said you can recite 10, 10, 10. And yeah. 25, 25, 25, 25. Yeah. You said 33, 33, 33, then you add the extra that. Yeah. Could one also say that another form would be 33,
1: 33, 33, and just stop there based on the hadith? So the hadith, yes, that, so the adhkar that we're speaking about after salah are the hadith that speak about the adhkar after salah. Okay. Like this hadith that we mentioned after the 10 right, says that this is after salah right so obviously you have other hadith right that also like for example this hadith also mentions making this tasbih uh, and so on before sleep right and similarly the hadith, the hadith of Ali and Fatima radiallahu anhumah and the Prophet told them to do something similar right he said to them 33 33 and 34 in the hadith of Ali and Fatima but that's for sleep right and so you have a distinction in the hadith between the adhkar that you make after salah and the adhkar that you make before sleep even though, obviously as we know before sleep you also do ayatul kursi you can do the three last surahs of the Quran and so on, there is a obviously repetition between the two anyone else? Yeah, Bilal? As far as I remember now. Yeah. Okay. So other than the
0: 70,000 who will enter Jannah without a everybody else who enters Jannah will face the New correct?
1: Yeah. Is
0: it not the case that there are non-Muslims who also
1: will invent some? Non-Muslims sorry, that there? Will, will there be some non-Muslims
0: who will but will have a Jannah? No. Surely you will bring it
1: on a No. There are no non-Muslims that no. enter into Jannah. No Muslims enter Jannah. The basic requirement of entering into Jannah is Iman. To say Allah. Okay. So Allah says in the Quran, la in Allah won't forgive shirk. And He forgives everything else besides it, to whomsoever He wills. Then
0: just
1: to They're all believers. So any hadith that says, for example, so and so did a major sin and then they did something and Allah forgave them and they entered into Jannah. Like this hadith of the Badaqa, 99 scrolls of evil deeds, but then he has one good deed. All of them have Iman. All of them have Iman. What about the people who the message of Islam did
0: reach?
1: That's a different issue. Eventually? That's a different issue. So the issue of people who, for example, didn't hear of the message, they came between what they call ahlul Fatra between two different prophets. Most of the scholars of the position that they will have their own test on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Allah will test them on the day of judgment and those people who pass that test of Iman will enter into Jannah and those who don't will go into the fire. And likewise the one for example who in this world didn't have their, their mental faculties about them. Someone who's deaf dumb and blind had no way of understanding and receiving the message. All of those people are in a separate category. They will have their own test on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and then Depending on that, they enter or they in
0: the don't. In the as well as the that
1: no test. For those people, as far as I know, there is. Um, I know that there's a debate amongst the scholars concerning children well, we of that non-Muslims, that
0: so the children. That's what I'm saying.
1: There's that debate that I'm aware of amongst children, right? And and, and how that works with children, but in terms of adults, Allahumma, I don't know if there's a position in, in amongst classical scholars that say that they just enter into gender without any type of form of of accounting or any type of test that just because they came at a time when there was nothing there that they automatically enter into gender, Allahumma, I don't
0: know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's there's, there's narrations or.
0: Yeah, but then you
1: can make qiyas of the same, right? Because these people didn't receive the message also, in a different way. So the people who don't receive a message because the Prophet doesn't come and people who don't receive a message because of some disability or because of some, are the same. Essentially, both don't receive the message, just for different reasons. Yeah, and Allah knows best. Sorry? Sorry? Anyone what else? Oh,
0: sorry.
1: Is there? Um, would you happen to have the reference for the narration saying to do azkar twenty five yeah. times after each salah? I'll, I'll
0: now, so Sahih Muslim. Yeah. Five nine, So hadith five nine five. So I, I, I read, read the hadith.
1: Read the hadith. You yeah. have the hadith? Yeah. Yeah, yeah read That's it. Yeah, I read
0: it. For <laughs> so Let's read the hadith. I read Hadith in Sahih Muslim 594. No, 595.
1: 595.
0: Just for, for the online 595, five, uh, 33, 33, 33, 33 <coughs> 596, 33, 33, 33, 34, 597 is the one I was asking about, 33, 33, 33, and then the one added on to make it 100. Yeah, there uh, are two Then you've got 10, 10, 10, yeah. which is in Sahih uh, Bukhari, 6,329. Yeah. Uh, then you've got 25-25-25, which is in uh,
1: Imam al-Nasai, 1351. Okay, she's just asking about the 25 one when yeah, you right, you sorry, come. So, yeah, I read that That's uh, in al-Nasai? No, no, uh,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: that's in al-Nasai. Okay, so the hadith that says 25-25-25 is in Surah al-Nasai. Do you have the hadith, the actual hadith itself? Fine, eh? No, no, it's okay, all right. khair. So, it's in Sunan al-Nasai. I thought you actually had the hadith. Okay, what is the opinion of using a tisbih the ones you find in some mosques hanging? <laughs> Depends if we got a hand. <laughs> uh some scholars don't like it, they dislike it because they say that it's not something which you'll find amongst the early scholars and narration from the process some of the companions, early scholars. Other scholars said if look if someone needs it, someone's old, someone has problems counting, someone finds it difficult to keep track. Uh, you know, Shahn al Taymi, for example, has that position, then it's okay. As long as they don't believe that it's part of the sunnah. It's not a something that's from Islam, it's not part of the sunnah, you don't get extra reward by using it. It's just like a counter, right? it's just something that you're using simply to count. Right? It has no significance in our religion, has no uh, religious um, position, no extra reward, anything attached to it, then it's okay. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. You got it? Quick so uh, See, that's, that's what happens when Google. Google.
0: Uh, they were commanded to say that the Sbeer 33 times following the prayer, and to say that Hamid 33 times, and to say that the Kabir 34 times. Then a man from among the Ansar was told in a dream, did the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam you to say that the 33 times following the prayer, and to say that Hamid 33 times, and to say that the Kabir 34 times. He said, yes, instead of that, say each one 25 times and include the Halil among them the next morning he came
1: to the message of Allah وسلم, and told him about that and the Prophet of Allah وسلم, said do that Yeah. so the hadith is in Surah Nisa'i the hadith of Zaid ibn Thabit Radhiallahu anh Barakallahu feek okay so inshallah, I think we'll we'll pause there for today and next week what time are we 8.05 8.05
0: five.
1: Eight oh so I think Salah is at quarter to 8 Yeah, 8.05, we start the class. And Aisha is 7.45. So, inshaAllah, next week, five past eight. InshaAllah. Barakallah. Fikum, Musaim bin Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahib.